0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.
1: Huh. All right, now.
0: Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad.
1: Four minutes into the third period. Islanders leading the Flyers 4-3. Islanders trying to finish off that series. The shots are 31-13 in favor of the Islanders. So I flipped my TV here to the end of the Raptors game. It is a 95-95 tie with Boston with 350 left in the fourth quarter and uh, really a must win for the Raptors. They're down two games to nothing. Don't want to go down three zips. So I want to check out the end of that one. The Blue Jays trail the Red Sox one nothing that is in the bottom of the sixth and Steve Nash the Canadian basketball great is the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. I don't know if any of you have this but sometimes there's just certain people that you associate with other people in your mind even though it might not completely make sense. And I I have one of those uh, kind of unusual connections. Whenever I hear the name Leonard Fournette and this is the running back who was uh, outstanding at LSU played for the Jacksonville Jaguars and was uh, released and uh, yesterday I think it was kind of became official while we were on the air last night uh, wound up signing with uh, Tom Brady's Tampa Bay Buccaneers whenever someone says to me or I hear the name Leonard Fournette I think of Bob Stoffer, who is on the line now. And I, I, I would guess, Bob, it's probably because similar athletic ability. I can't imagine why else it would be.
2: Yeah, I was able to uh, truck running, uh, truck linebackers and safeties for fun when I was Leonard's age as well. So that has to be it. I mean, uh, it, it, Reed, thanks for having me on the show. Leonard Fournette was a you know five star recruit. Uh, you know, and, and in this day and age, there might only be one running back a year or two running backs a year that get that sort of distinction. But he was frankly on a, a completely different level than any running back that's sort of uh, you know maybe since Reggie Bush. I mean, uh, Joe McKnight, you would remember him, former Edmonton Eskimo that uh, unfortunately was, uh, you know, uh, uh, murdered a couple of years ago down on the States over a vehicle uh, situation. Uh, he was a, a top flight recruit as well, but not on the same. Uh, he he was, went to USC to play for Pete Carroll, but not on the same level of Fournette. Fournette was just a spectacularly gifted man, uh, mature guy. Not, you know, it's funny with, with college football Football. There was sort of three running backs in the early 1980s. Uh Herschel Walker, who was part of the 1980 championship team for the Georgia Bulldogs as a freshman. Herschel Walker, uh, Marcus Dupree, who played at Oklahoma and also spent a bit of time at Edmonton here uh, when he returned to football after sitting out for a bunch of years. And then Bo Jackson, who I would assert to you was probably the greatest athlete in, in modern day history. I know ESPN voted on the top athlete of all time. Fournette is, you know, was going into college a running back of near of that caliber. And, you know, LSU won the national championship this past year. They changed their offense around. It didn't work in Jacksonville, and Jacksonville very well might be playing for Trevor Lawrence, and that's part of the reason why they didn't want to pay him. And uh, I think they're going to have the cheapest team in the NFL this year, and so Fournette ends up in Tampa Bay. It's interesting with those Florida franchises, Reed. You got the Tampa Bay Lightning, great team successful, you got the Florida Panthers, lots of turnover. You know, you got the Jags, they never want to spend any money. Uh, and then you've got uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not the Lightning. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who obviously are going for it with Tom Brady. It's going to be interesting to see how Fournette plays. Fournette's far from finished, too. He actually had his career best uh,
1: 1,152 yards last season. Didn't score as many uh, touchdowns, but 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 pretty good. But like we talked earlier today, Bob, when we were setting up the interview, uh, it, it's so it's so much a dual running back system now in the NFL, and it's it, there's so much so much turnover. Which, by the way, Frank Gore is still going at the age of 37, which is maybe a story for another day. But anyway, I, I just think he's still good. Fournette's still going to be a really productive player.
2: Oh, there's there's no question. I mean, advanced analytics uh, maybe suggested that he hasn't been quite as dominant in his ability to break tackles the way they thought he was going to be. Uh, you know, and I go back to Bo Jackson. Uh, Bo Jackson just to reinforce, you know, this is guy that obviously played in the Pro Bowl, but also you know hit a home run in the Major League All Star game. It was the MVP of that game. Bo Jackson's also the only modern athlete to play with an artificial hip. That's how yeah. good of an athlete he was. He came back and, you know, he could still turn on an off-speed pitch in baseball. Great athlete. So, uh, fournette has got a great chance there to, to, to make some noise. And, uh, and, and Reed. I can't wait for football to start. I feel bad that Morley and Dave don't have a chance to do CFL. It uh, looks like college football. I mean, college football in the southeast is a religion, uh, like hockey is in Canada. And I know we're going to transition that in a second here. Uh, but the NFL and the uh, college football and the SEC, getting going uh, the big 12 and conferences like that it's it's, it's gonna it's gonna be good to uh, uh, good to get after it yeah
1: i watch it well i guess we one week from tonight nfl kicks off so that'll be fun but yeah, i do miss the canadian football league this would have been all the the labor day hype uh yeah, week leading into Monday for sure. Bob Stoffer's on the line tonight. Raptors are down two in the final forty seconds. But we'll keep you updated here. They got to get this win. Peter from Wainwright has texted in Bob, and he's he's a fan of the Colorado Avalanche. So he was listening to mm-hmm. Connor McGehee in the last half hour. Uh, he says, talking about the Oilers, Reed. I think Tyson Barry would be a great fit if they can work out a decent price. I think he would bring a lot to the team on the power play and hopefully allow for more five v five goals. Interesting name. You've talked about Barry, uh, Heck Bob. Several years you've you've talked about Barry. Yeah. Um, you got to move the puck. You got to get it out. We saw how Ethan Bear was able to con- contribute, and then with Ethan Bear, I-, I said this to you this morning when we were talking. It's hard to judge fully Ethan Bear as a defender because he doesn't have to do it much because he goes back and gets the puck and, and, and works it up and, and maybe Barry could add that element if if he became an oil.
2: Well, the only way he's going to become an Oiter is if the Oiters can move some money out on defense, and I know that Brian Lawton was on the show and suggested that he could see two of the Oiters top four being gone. Well, that would be a scenario where we'd be talking Oscar Cloughbaum and Adam Morrison, because, uh, you know, I think Brian doesn't see uh, Darnell Nurse going, and there's no way they're trading Ethan Bear right now, so uh, the one guy that is going to make things really intriguing for Oiler's fans at next year is going to be Caleb Jones. I think Caleb Jones, I think Caleb Jones is an underrated player in the Oilers organization with a lot of fans. And, uh, but I will tell you point blank, Reed, uh, I think because of what occurred last year, because of McDavid and Settle, there's no question McDavid's you know, he's probably the, the best player in the world. I think most of us would agree with that. As good as McKinnon's been, and he's been wonderful. But Colorado's built a team that can skate now and support McKinnon. they got a better team at this stage than Edmonton. That said, the Oilers are going to have some agents that want to place some players in Edmonton, and I do believe that Tyson Berry uh, would have interest playing here, maybe on just a one-year term, and seeing if he could count. I, you know, for me, he, he, let's just say hypothetically, the orders moved out Larson. I would certainly, if I were Ken Holland, be open to signing Tyson Berry, and I'd put Tyson Berry on the first unit power play and get Oscar Clefbaum's minutes down. Plays 25 minutes of game. Read every year he misses games, and I think part of the reason why Oscar misses games is he plays too many minutes.
1: I think that's a that's a fair comment, and it would change up the dynamic a little bit with a right shot uh, on the power play, and certainly maybe Bear is another candidate there, uh, there as well. I do think there will going to be a uh, there'll be a shake up to some degree. You mentioned Caleb Jones too, and maybe I'll lump Matt Benning into this. The interesting thing, and look, Tippett and his staff had a great year, but we we pick apart things in Edmonton. They didn't really play the third pair a lot, right? I mean, Benning didn't play a lot, and I, I thought he's—I think he's a good depth player. And, and Jones didn't play a lot. Now Jones being a little less experienced in the NHL, so there's another way to get the top guys' minutes down. If if they feel like they have a third pair that they can rely on a bit more, which I thought they would have, maybe to play 12 or 13 minutes as opposed to eight to 10.
2: Yeah, they just haven't played Benning when it's mattered. Uh, or, you know, you take a look at his last four years, he's plus 32. Uh, he's been a plus player every year. So obviously, you know, I think they've sheltered him a bit. Uh, Caleb Jones, the shots for and against were 24-3 to 3 when he was on the ice in the playoffs. Like He tilted the ice out there. He gets the puck up the ice. He's got tremendous athleticism. I, I think he's got a higher ceiling than some fans realize. I think the Oilers are in a pretty good position with their defense moving forward. They're going to have to find a way to get themselves a third-line center. They're going to have to get some form of resolution with the yes, a Paul Yarby situation, uh, and then goaltending. They've got a final in the basketball game. Yeah.
1: Did you see this, Bob? Okay, so the Raptors gave up an open dunk with half a second left to trail by two points. They call the timeout, got to inbound from the front court. Kyle Lowry inbounded it all the way across the court to the far side to OG Anunoby, who caught it and chucked it and made it for the win. Yeah, he released it with two tenths of a second and it goes in. The Raptors win by one. And are alive, Bob. I'm listening with the sound down, so I wasn't sure he got it off before the buzzer. That looks like a good release to me. Have you flipped to it? That's that's no, that's an epic shot. It, Scott it is an epic shot.
2: Spoiler alert, I just watched Scott Lawton tie it up for Philadelphia. A puck bobble at the point and Lawton got a breakaway and, uh, Bailey was in pursuit and couldn't race back and get him. So 4-4. Uh, Varlamov's not having much of a start in goal tonight. I think he's made one save the entire game. Philadelphia has totally played counterpunch hockey so far. So, uh, so, you know, Reed, just yeah, good news there for the Raptors to get back in the series. Uh, the, these playoffs have been exciting. They've reinforced the work that Edmonton still needs to do. And I just want to, you know, read again, there needs to be, a, we need to know what's going on with Paul Yarby here at some point. Uh, either, you know, is he going to commit to coming back and, and being realistic in terms of price point? should mention he's represented by Marcus Lato, uh, with, who was with ACME, and ACME has now merged with Wasserman, which is the group that Jeff Jackson, Connor McDavid, and uh, Evan Bouchard's agent is with, um, and Marcus Leto also has uh, Henrik Borgstrom with Florida and Bill Zito is the new general manager of Florida and he started ACME with Marcus Leto. So I'm, I'm wondering I'm hypothesizing here, I know I brought it up a couple times in the show during the week I wonder whether or not there might be an opportunity to trade a struggling prospect for a, tra- a struggling prospect. I know a lot of people think Paul Yarvey has a higher ceiling, Borgstrom's a center he was unbelievable at Denver University like he's uh, a year ago there's no way Florida would have considered making that trade, Uh, but this past year Borgstrom, it appears as though got off in the wrong foot with Joel Quenville and who knows, maybe there's a chance to make something happen there. I do think Borgstrom's going to be long-term a third-line NHL center.
1: Well, and the Oilers need that. I still think they kind of finished the season with two fourth lines, which... You know, maybe it was an upgrade from where they were the the previous year, and you know it's kind of hard to evaluate because they in the regular season they never really got to deploy Ennis and Athanasiu the way they wanted. I was talking on the show last night that they actually broke up the big line of of Drysaitl, Yamamoto, Nugent Hopkins for that last game against Winnipeg, right? They put McDavid with Nugent yep. with uh, Nugent Hopkins last, and Ennis yeah,
2: last game and a half. Yep, but
1: they but they, they, but they didn't up. fully get to keep experimenting with it, so. The, that's why it was kind of awkward in the playoffs. You I
2: mentioned, thought the X- I mean, I don't want to take all your time, Reed, but, you know, the Oilers had their two worst forwards five-on-five five, five five and true uh, five-on-five situations in goal share were Riley Sheehan and Jujar Kara. Riley Sheehan was minus 20 and Jujar was minus 19. And those guys were the third and fourth line centers for Edmonton. And I think that pace was part of the problem for those guys that even strengthers. I mean, both guys did a really good job in the penalty kill. But I think that the pace five-on-five five limited the Oilers' ability to sustain any kind of forecheck. Uh, even though it's got to be stated that Neil, who's the birthday boy today, and Jason, played quite well when they were on the ice. But there was, you know, Sheehan's line had some significant challenges. He ended up with Athanasiou and Cassian during Game 3 and Game 4 of the series, and that didn't go very well.
1: Yeah. Bob, thanks for checking in, man. I'll let you get back to focus on uh, on the hockey game. Looks like it's going to be a good finish there. Have a great show tomorrow, buddy. Who do you have on tomorrow?
2: We have uh, Kurt Hill, the general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings. they got a loaded up squad for this year. Elliot Friedman will join us for friends at the River Cree Resort and Casino. And a guy named Jack Michaels. Oh uh, you may goodness. have heard of him, Reid. Yeah, yeah. controversial man. Thanks, Bob. We'll see you soon, okay? Anytime, Reid. See ya. Bye-bye. Bob
1: Stauffer checking in. Get them noon to two every weekday. Oilers now right here on 630 Chit. Good discussion with Bob, uh, laying it out a little bit uh, about the Oilers' defense and, and up front, and, and I still think the uh, – I mean, they did upgrade the team from the previous year, and, and now they got to try to take another step. Uh, defensively, you'd love another guy who could move the puck crisply, and, uh, yeah, you'd love a third liner or two. Easier said than done, and, of course, the goaltending. 4-4. Four, four. Flyers and Islanders, nine minutes to go in the third. We'll keep you updated. The Raptors with a dramatic victory to get back in the series with
0: Boston. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since
1: 1962. Well, my recommended viewing for this evening, if you have not already seen it, Go look on social media. The Raptors have already tweeted it out. Watch it on a highlight show later. Watch it on both platforms. Uh, OG Ananobi, the big winner for the Raptors. Three-pointer at the buzzer. Raptors survive against the Celtics 104-103. Boston still leads the series two games to one. But if that shot does not go in, it is basically season over for the Raptors, who have not uh, totally looked like they're uh, firing on all cylinders uh, in this series. And and Boston's a very good team. But it was a tie game, and Boston had what looked like was going to be the final possession. And uh, the, the Raptors appeared to have it well defended, and then a quick pass under the basket, wide open dunk. There was half a second on the clock. Raptors timeouts, so they get to inbound from the front court instead from underneath, instead of from underneath their own basket. Kyle Lowry on the uh, right side of the offensive front court fires it all the way across to the far, not quite all the way down in the corner, but on still on the part where the uh, three-point line is straight. Anobi an catches it, fires the three, came out of his hand with about two tenths on the clock, in it goes Raptors win not as epic as Kawhi's shot because that was game seven to win the series though I guess if Kawhi would have missed they still would have had a chance to win in overtime but pretty cool stuff so the Raptors stay alive Flyers and Islanders, Uh, you heard talking to Bob, Scott Lawton scored while we were talking. I didn't see the goal because I had it on the basketball game. But uh, that game is 4-4 with six and a half minutes to go in the third period. The Islanders have outshot the Flyers 36-17, but Philly staying in it, trying to force game seven. Canucks and Golden Knights about 20 minutes away from dropping the puck at uh, Rogers Place. Game six of that series, the Golden Knights are up three games to two. Uh, Brad says, I heard a rumor that Steve Nash is the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, that is true. Brad, thanks for checking. That is uh, absolutely 100% true. Tomorrow on the show, uh, it'll be it'll be fun tomorrow. We're, we're going to feature a little bit of horse racing. The Fall Classic is coming up at the Century Mile on Sunday. The Kentucky Derby is Saturday, and here's an interesting connection. There is a horse in the Kentucky Derby named Attachment Rate. He is, uh, he is a long shot. But he is owned by Jerry Isbister from Calgary – and Jerry Isbister is Brad Isbister's dad. Brad Isbister, the former NHLer, the former uh, Edmonton Oiler. Now, because of his his travel schedule, I, I don't mind telling you, because uh, Jerry's uh, in Seattle, so he has to get to uh, Kentucky tomorrow. I, I, I did this interview with Jerry today, so it's it's pretty cool. He's going to tell you about getting into uh, owning horses and what the business is like, and a little bit about attachment rate. And uh, he actually has been attending the Kentucky Derby for over twenty years, and uh, about two decades ago he decided well this is pretty fun, what if I tried to uh, own the odd race horse or two and, and away he went from there so that that horse is uh, Attachment Rate, the first Alberta owned horse in the Kentucky Derby since 2006 so that'll be a cool interview and we'll also set up the Fall Classic at Century Mile that'll be on Sunday, that is tomorrow on Inside Sports. Okay, music's kicking in, that means we got the news break. Coming up. We will bring uh, Matt Cassian onto the show when we get back, Edmontonian, former NHLer. Now, with all the uh, the pandemic uh, shutdowns and postponements and ca- cancellations, that changed things for, for Hockey Helps the Homeless. So he's going to tell you about the Canada Cup Life Campaign. It's going on in September, and uh, that is going to help the Mustard Seed. It's going to help the Jasper Place Wellness Centre. We usually do something on this in the spring with uh, with Robin Brownlee and company. Um, so they've had to kind of alter what they're doing, but there's still an opportunity for you to help, and Matt will fill you in after the news.
0: to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chen.
1: To go in game three. OG with a long... Matt Devlin with the call on TSN. Tonight we had Matt uh, on the show a few months ago. Uh, An epic shot, and the Raptors win it at the buzzer, and... They are alive and kicking against the Celtics. 104-103. The Raptors take it thanks to that three-pointer. Incredible cross-court inbound pass from Kyle Lowry. Boston up two games to one in the series. They're going to overtime in Toronto. The Flyers and Islanders are tied 4-4. The shots are 41-17 for the, uh, pardon me, 42-17. They just ticked another one on here on NHL.com. 42-17 for the, for the Islanders, but the Flyers have a chance to force Game 7 going to overtime again. Golden Knights and Canucks will start in about 10 minutes at Rogers Place. The Blue Jays trailing the Red Sox 2-0 in the seventh. Steve Nash is the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. You know, uh, so many things have been uh, thrown off kilter because of the pandemic pandemic and social distancing and all those kinds of things. And that includes uh, hockey helps the homeless, which is usually uh, in the spring to help the Jasper place wellness center to help the mustard seed. And uh, they've had to adjust, and they are adjusting, and they have some things going on uh, this month that we want to tell you about. And to help do that, former NHLer Edmontonian, it's the one and only Matt Cassian. Matt, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing, sir?
0: Reed, I am. Uh, I am very happy to be here. I am doing well. Say, just uh, getting ready for school to start here for the kiddos. So just uh, very, uh, very intrigued by what's going on in life right now.
1: Yeah, always a stressful time for for parents and and kids, or so I'm told. Not being a parent, but I, I feel for everybody out there uh, trying to adjust. So, uh, so good for you guys. Uh, you played some playoff games for the Senators. Did you guys have any overtime?
0: Uh, there was a little bit. Um, I don't think I really got to play very much in overtime. I wasn't the uh, I wasn't the overtime style player. Reed. So I did a lot of cheering on. Um, did a lot of sitting there. And <laughs> I, I actually think we won. I think we had one against Montreal, and I think we won it. Um, I'm trying to remember if we had one the next series against Pittsburgh, but I can't remember off the top of my head.
1: Well, they need the guys there in support, right? You got to have the the good attitude guys, and you never know. There's always the the Peter Claimers of the world that sit for most of the. Uh, you, you have to be ready to go no matter what, right?
0: So you always do, and you know what? As a guy that was so often in and out of the lineup, and so often just sitting there parked on the bench, you uh, you actually really get used to that. You have to find a way that you sit there for long stretches, and maybe even. Uh, you know, the, let's say the second half of a period and then you have to sit the intermission and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the first quarter, first half of the next period and you have to find a way to be able to um, to, to get out there and to give it everything you have and to give an A-plus shift because if you don't, you're either not going to play again or you're going to hurt your team. And um, not, not an easy thing I, to do, I think, but one that uh, I, I think I was decent at, at least.
1: Well, I, I think so and that that's the that's the tough thing. I, I remember uh when when Matt Hendricks came to the orders he said, uh, he, "He said I'm about ten bad shifts away from spending the rest of my career in the AHL. So, like, you have to have that attitude. It's not easy to have, but this—he's not a. There are lots of players like that. Uh, I mean, Leon Drysaddle can have a slump, and he's still going to play 23 minutes a game. But you know, the Matt Hendrickses and the, and the Matt Castings of the world—you're uh, a few bad shifts from them saying, who's the next guy up? Let's go.'"
0: Yeah, basically. You're you're a few bad shifts away from not being there anymore and you know, to transition wonderfully into what we want to talk about. I I, I kinda of have a feeling like with with uh, the Mustard Seed and Jasper Place Wellness Centre and, and places in Edmonton and really all over Canada that are providing services really to people that uh, maybe they they missed out on that shift, right? They they had a couple turnovers or some things went wrong and they're maybe not where they would like to be or not where they expected to be and... Um, uh, fortunately, we can we can all try to group together to to pick them up so that it doesn't have to be that last ship for them and they're not stuck uh, in the, in let's call it life's minor leagues for for the rest of their life.
1: Yeah, well said. So it, we're going to go ahead here with the with the Canada Life Cup. Uh, you know, I've read about it, but you're but you're heavily involved, so you're the expert here. I'll let you kind of do uh, do uh, do the the storytelling. What what's happening this month here with the Canada Life Cup?
0: Well, um, when when hockey helps the homeless, most of the events or all of the events across Canada across Canada got canceled uh, because of COVID. Uh, pretty bad idea, I think, to have thousands of players get together uh, in hockey rinks and to be in dressing rooms all day for a number of days. It just didn't make sense to do it, uh, and the organization was still looking for ways that they could uh, support. Uh, local food banks, they could support local organizations, and here in Edmonton that is the Jasper Place Wellness Centre and the Mustard Seed. Um, So they they basically sat back and said, okay, we can't do these tournaments uh, but that still doesn't mean or, you know, we have COVID and that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be able to still support people because now more than ever there's going to be people that are hurting, there's going to be people that are going through challenges that are going to have mental health issues Uh, so what they decided to do was to try to get together 15,000 donors, um, uh, 2,500 players and uh, 1,000 volunteers uh, trying to push for uh, just fundraising, really. So we're calling it the Canada Life Cup. Uh, And really what it is, uh, different groups are doing different things all over the country. Uh, I'll talk about one that's going on uh, just outside of Edmonton here in a minute, but uh, it's getting together and still trying to raise funds, saying, you know what, we're not going to get to have the same type of fun event in in that a weekend of playing with professional athletes or ex-professional athletes and fundraisers together but we we have a duty here to try to help these people and help organizations so we're going to really work hard at fundraising and doing what we can and and really coming up with unique ideas to to support uh, hockey helps the homeless and and organizations like the mustard seed and, and like jasper place wellness center
1: yeah, and uh, you know, Robin sent me some information here, and he, even something like giving two hundred and fifty bucks—that's that's ten blankets for a, for a yeah. shelter, uh, five hundred bucks, one month worth of PPE for frontline staff—and you, you know, and then you can get up into the tens of thousands of dollars and all the uh, all the lunches and, and support programs that that would bring as well. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's really important, and uh, I, I think you, you summed it up r- really well. So, this is so cool that there there's are still opportunities here to to help and and, and get involved. Um, and, and like, okay, like, you know, Robin Brownlee, he's an energetic guy. He's called me like 20 times in the last day. He's like, you got to tell, you got to ask him about the bubble hockey. You got to ask him about the yeah. bubble hockey. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I'll... <laughs> but no, it is pretty fun. Yeah,
0: I know. He's called me about 10 times being like, you got to tell Reed about the bubble hockey. You got to <laughs> tell him about the bubble hockey. <laughs> So he's uh, you know he's he's hard up over which is which is great I you know I, I really truly appreciate Robin and how much he he pushes for things that matter it's it's great to, it's great that he's involved that he can involve us as well um, but yeah he, so what he's talking about uh, um, I think I said previously that there are some really unique ideas that people have come up with and this one maybe uh, maybe uh, May, may take the cake uh, because we have to socially distance uh, a group of guys out at the Kiera plant in Fort Saskatchewan um, so it's a it's a liquid natural gas plant for anyone that doesn't um, or isn't aware of, uh, of what Kiera is or what they do um, and they said well we can't we can't go play in this tournament Um, We can't go play on the normal rink. Um, And even playing regular street hockey, you know, you you hard to maintain social distance rules and then everyone's sweating and, you know, trying to raise funds. Is this going to be something we can do? So they come up with the idea of let's do real-life bubble hockey where we can do it outside, we can play road hockey, we can give everyone – You know their line in their circle so you have to stay on your line and have to stay in your area so you you will be socially distanced from everyone else and you can still play hockey so it's gonna be a really fun road hockey game Uh, there's gonna be raffles for prizes there's gonna be lunch everyone's gonna be socially distanced Um, you know all the the road hockey equipment that is gonna be used is gonna be sanitized first and then donated to the Boys and Girls Club in Fort Saskatchewan Um, so it's gonna be a ton of fun a really great event and as I said a really unique way that a group of people came together to say we still want to help these organizations this is still important the mustard seed is important people are hurting we need to help and uh, and they came up with an amazing way in my opinion to do that so if you have a chance uh, it'd be great to look into it a little bit more it'd be great to uh, uh, if you could go to com and and check out the Canada Life Cup or the mustard seeds website Um, I would strongly encourage you to do that you know if you could give up uh, a coffee a week for a month uh, and donate that money that makes a huge difference and as you said 250 bucks means a lot of blankets for a lot of people that need it uh, especially as we transition from a, uh, a summer into a fall into a, a winter which is feels like it's staring down our, our next year already so um, yeah it's going to be a great time and a great event read and i'm just uh, really excited for it
1: yeah, I, I, you do such a great job representing. And uh, you're speaking of the website, and obviously, you know, a lot of people might be driving right now or, or have uh, one ear on on the hockey game or watching the Raptors or whatever. And, yeah, so you just Google Hockey Helps the Homeless Edmonton, com, and then you can do a drop-down menu to go to Edmonton, and it, and it outlines uh, all this uh, stuff as well. I mean, for for you, Matt, going through your hockey career and now as, as, uh, as, as a retired player, I'm just curious about that experience of doing just anything in the community i mean obviously you're an edmontonian so this is even uh, you know more special to you but you played in you know vancouver and and, in kamloops and and in the dub and and a few years in houston in the a and usually there's the expectation that uh you connect right you connect with people when you're when you're playing anywhere
0: you typically do or i my opinion is that you you should um, you should connect with people wherever you are. And it's not always easy to do. And I think seasons of life, even as an athlete, when you're you're going through different seasons, because we, we have those where you know, you're, you're trying to find your way in the minors or you're playing junior or you're getting drafted or you're, you're a rookie in the NHL or whatever the case may be, there's different situations. But I feel that in all of those, it was really important for myself, and it is for, for most, or it should be, that you use whatever – platform you can or that you have to try to impact others in a, in a positive manner. Um, and, you know, for me now going through that to where I, I had the opportunity that so many people just dream of to play professionally and to play in the NHL, um, I just, I really want to, I, I don't want that to go to waste, I guess. I, I don't want that to, you know, just be an experience that is just for me that I got to have um, which is, you know, I guess it's good or great if, if it is, um, but I want to be able to use that in any way possible to try to um, try to not just elicit change, but to elicit improvement in people's lives and to, to push people to be better and to um, share experiences that I have, or if it makes people more likely to listen to what I have to say, um, then I better be saying something that's that's encouraging or that's positive or that can um, impact people that, that maybe need a little bit of help. I don't know. I just, I really feel like I have an obligation to do so. And I, I think that we all do. We've been, a lot of us have been blessed with so much. Uh, and it's only right that we try to bless others or help others uh, however we can
1: yeah well said matt okay so yeah give hockey helps the homeless uh, edmonton uh, a google and, and find out how you can help out and uh now is your buddy uh like are, are nielsen engaged gonna do the play-by-play in color for the bubble hockey or is that still tba
0: <laughs> i gotta I, it's still to be determined i'm trying to i'm trying to encourage him it's 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 challenging like with um like with COVID, and even for the the podcast guys uh for like Gager and and uh dustin nielsen it's, for walking gage and dustin nielsen it's uh you know we're we're still doing it remotely so we're trying to navigate all of that so it'd be it'd be fun to have something live there i don't know if we're going to be able to have a setup that's going to allow us to do that with with internet and even the, the speakers or or whatever so there's still some of it that's up in the air. Um, so, yeah, I, I, to answer you, I don't know. Um, I hope those guys come out. I've been pushing them to do it. They uh, are, are, you know, we're going to try to have some people on to talk about it in our podcast, too, which will be great. So they're they're on board to help out. I just, I haven't quite got to the play-by-play yet.
1: Right on. Well, good for you for doing that. Uh, Love the positive energy, Matt, and the way that you're helping out. Uh, Again, uh, Hockey Helps the Homeless, Edmonton is where you can find it. It is the uh, Canada Life Cup campaign for September. You can get all the details online, and uh, Matt filled you in on a lot of the details. Thanks so much for making time for us. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Thanks so much, Reed. I really appreciate it and giving us a voice, and thank you for your support
1: right on that is Matt Cassian checking in tonight uh, former member of the Minnesota Wild and the uh, Ottawa Senators couple of stops in the American Hockey League as well uh, Edmontonian and uh, good for him uh, and thanks to Robin Brownlee for setting up uh, that interview as well he's always great about uh, uh, about promoting uh, Hockey Helps the Homeless helping out the Mustard Seed helping out the Jasper Place uh, Wellness Center and uh, it is important and, and Matt mentioned you know uh, if you can if you, I know it's tough for a lot of people but if you're able Able to give up that uh, that cup of coffee for a week or two, and and uh, and give that money, and it might uh, help buy some blankets, buy, buy some fruit for some people who need it, or or some meals, things like that. Every little bit helps for sure. It is inside sports on six thirty. Chat.
0: David from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30 Ched.
1: To go in game three. OG with a look, got it.
2: OG and Novi and the buzzer. OG. Oh
1: my. To go. Yeah. OG. OMG. Why not play that again for sure? We played it earlier in the half hour. There it is again. Matt Devlin with the call. Ananobi, the three-pointer at the buzzer. Raptors win it over the Celtics. They had to win it. 104-103 is the final. Now the Celtics still lead the series, but it is two games to one instead of 3 nothing. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Great to have Matt Cassian on the show. Uh, good for him involved with Hockey Helps the Homeless, the Canada Life campaign for September. He told you about how you can uh, help. Definitely check them out uh, online and see if you can find a way to uh, pitch in a little bit. They would really appreciate it. It really uh, uh, helps a lot of people here in the city. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. Overtime is underway in Toronto. The Flyers and the Islanders in Game 6. Islanders score next. They win the series, play Tampa Bay in the East Final. Flyers... Win and uh, game seven would be on Saturday. Golden Knights and the Canucks are underway, just barely about a minute 20 into the first period, no score. Now, tomorrow we know for sure there will be the Stars and the Avalanche and uh, there could be the Canucks and the Golden Knights. So if the Canucks win, they would have a doubleheader like I was talking about earlier. I would assume now both those games in Edmonton, so I'd assume it would be some sort of an afternoon start for the Stars and the Avalanche, and then uh, an evening start for the Canucks and uh, and the Golden Knights since they would have to fit in two games. So we don't know when the conference finals start. We don't even know if all the games will be played in Edmonton. That was initially the plan. It, It does remain possible that game one of the East final is in Toronto. And I I would think that if the uh, Islanders win tonight, that they uh, could start the Islanders in Tampa Bay on Saturday in Toronto. And then uh, maybe Sunday, they get maybe, maybe there's no game Monday. I don't know. I think they'd have to skip a day somewhere. If the Canucks and Golden Knights go to Game Seven, or would they skip uh, Sunday possibly? If the Canucks and Golden Knights play tomorrow, already have the Stars and Avalanche tomorrow. Would you start the East on Saturday, have Sunday off, start the West on Labor Day, and then have the teams, so the East teams, play Game Two in Edmonton on Tuesday night? Or uh, maybe would you make Monday the uh, the off day? I, I, w- I would think they they provide maybe an extra off day for the East teams to travel. I'm just kind of speculating here, but they're, they're going through it pretty quickly and they don't, they don't want off days if they can help, it. they want uh, hockey on the TV and people caring about it and, and watching and all that fun stuff. Anyway, I'm just sort of speculating there. Blue Jays in action tonight. They are down 2-1 to the Red Sox in the uh, bottom of the seventh. Jays finally got on the board in the uh, top of the seventh, panic with an RBI, but uh, the Red Sox have the lead. Kellen Kennedy back at the 630 Chad Broadcasting Compound. Kellen, how are you doing, buddy? Doing good, Reed, How are you? I'm uh, doing well. Had a good day today. Uh, had some work to do uh, actually a little earlier than usual this morning. Had a good old Skype meeting and then did some other things for the show. Usually when I go for a run, it is... Uh, I mean, I leave before 10 at the latest. Sometimes I leave before nine didn't run until uh, the afternoon today felt pretty good. I I will say this. One of those uh, hot days we had, we had those two kind of strings of really hot weather where it got above 30 and there was one day I decided, okay, I'm going to do an evening run. I'll go out after my show from about, I think I, yeah, I think I did seven K. So it takes me about 40, 45 minutes, depending on the route and the Hills. And, I, I much prefer running earlier in the day. You just – the your energy is a little different, and you just feel lighter. And I felt running in the evening, you know, two or three hours after you've had supper, I just – I mean, I got through it. I wasn't sick or anything, but I just didn't feel – um I just kind of felt heavier for lack of a lack of a better term. I wasn't now by no means am I a fast runner, but I just felt I had uh, had more flow when I get out there and, uh, and run in the morning anyway. Oh, we're done already. My we goodness. Are. Okay. Well, I mentioned, I mentioned tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk a little horse racing tomorrow. We've got Jerry Isbister on the show. That's Brad Isbister's dad. He owns attachment rate, which will race in the Kentucky Derby and we'll tee up the fall classic at the century mile on Sunday, still in overtime, five, Five minutes into OT, four-four. The Islanders and the Flyers. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer this evening. My name's Reed. Have a great night.
0: Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.